Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm very excited. We have a little crossover episode happening. Uh, Game of Roses, a fantastic Bachelor podcast. I have the two hosts, Chad and Lizzie. They also wrote a book called How to Win the Bachelor. I'm so excited because, as we know, I've dipped into the Bachelor world here on Everything Iconic, but I need some experts to help me break down some of this stuff. So, first of all, Chad and Lizzie, how are you both doing today? Doing so well. Very excited for this crossover event. Yeah, same. Very excited. Happy to be here. And obviously, you both know the Bachelor world. Chad, when you were writing this book and you were trying to really detail how to win the Bachelor, what was like the thing that surprised you most that you learned from this whole thing? Well, in order to write the book, we had to basically collect every piece of data in the existence of Bachelor in order to form our certain uh, empirical metrics to be like, here's what you should do in this situation or this situation. So we did a thing that we called the hyper binge, where we watched every episode of The Bachelor from season one, episode one to season at the time, 25, episode 12, which was the, the last one in existence at the time we wrote the book. And we meticulously recorded everything that's ever happened in the game, every tear, every kiss, every date, literally everything. And what surprised me most was in watching that, it was almost like watching the evolution of the game in kind of a time-lapse style. So we got to see like the first, first impression rows, for example. A lot of people think that was always in the game. Didn't come in until season five. We got to see the first group dates. We got to see the first group date roses, the first one-on-one roses, the first uh, what we call a trick-or-treat, which is a type of limo exit where a player comes out of the limo dressed as like a sloth or whatever. That didn't start happening until way late in the game as well. So for me, the most surprising 13 thing Jason was Mesnick. That. Yeah, season 13 <laughs> the Jason woman Mesnick. with the vampire I... teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really the evolution of the game and all these little components that started seeping into it during what we call the experimental era, which is seasons four through 12, when the producers really were testing things out. They had like season six had two bachelors in it and the players got to vote which one was going to be the bachelor for that season. All kinds of crazy stuff. They shot some seasons. They shot one in Paris. They shot one in New York, one in Rome. Uh, so definitely that was the most surprising thing to me. Wait, so Lizzie, when you finished that binge, was there a person or a season? Like, what did what did you leave that binge being like? That was the best one, or he was the best contestant, or she was the best contestant. Who were your tops? My top bachelor was season seven, Charlie O'Connell. That was the season that shot in New York. He clearly had a contentious relationship with Chris Harrison that you can see in the document, which I enjoyed. He like <laughs> Chris Harrison up, and I think he didn't like that. And he also was just like. Because he was the brother of Jerry O'Connell, like somewhat of a celebrity. So I think he didn't give a fuck. But that season, they had mini speed dates at the beginning instead of limo exits for like he had two minutes with each one. 
And then at the end of that season, he's like, I can't decide between the final two. So he decides to date the final two for the few months before, after the final rose. And then he picks the final person at that live show. And I thought that was super interesting to like continue the like polyamorous relationship beyond the show. And they did film some, some of that process, like their phone calls and dates and stuff. It's so fascinating to me because I, I had talked to you guys before, but the season that I went into was like the Claire Tasha season I recapped for this show. And it was definitely low budget. It was early pandemic, but you mentioned <laughs> like limo rides. And all I remember was like, they made cardboard taxi cabs to do like their hometown dates. And it was so depressing to me. <laughs> it was just so yes. low budget. Have you that noticed? That was a rough season. Everyone was dripping in sweat too. Cause it was like 105 right. degrees. <laughs> was that, was that the worst one? What was the worst one? God, I, that's that's rough. I mean, there were some bland seasons in the early seasons, like season 10, Andy Baldwin yeah. was kind of a, just like, wash, you, you get through that season and you're just like, I feel nothing. Nothing happened in this season. No one was interesting. It was just kind of very boring. But I think these recent bubble seasons in terms of production value have been easily the worst, which I think is due to a couple of reasons. Obviously, the pandemic hindered the production. They couldn't do international travel. They couldn't do kind of the big, like going out on a yacht and stuff. They had to be all shot in these tied off locations at these, uh, Nima Colon in Pennsylvania at La Quinta in Palm Springs. Oh, and, I hate, La Quinta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I see it pop up. It popped up in something else, La Quinta Inn and playgrounds or whatever. I was like, I can't get me out of here. Get me you out felt of La Quinta. in La Quinta. I felt so yeah. claustrophobic in fucking La Quinta or Quinta. I don't even know yeah. if I'm saying it right, but I hated it. It, those seasons also, the one you're talking about specifically, season 16, did like a kind of game-breaking thing where they were supposedly set to shoot night one at the mansion on the literal day that the order came down from Gavin Newsom to say, all production must halt in Hollywood. So they scuttled the season, but those players and Claire Crawley, the lead, were all following each other on Instagram. And she basically fell in love with Dale Moss parasocially via his Instagram. So then when they came back to shoot the first night one, he steps out of the limo. She's like, that's the guy. And that season gets broken. Three episodes in, she walks away with Dale Moss. They have to bring in Tasha Adams to then be the second bachelor at that season, which, and she gets a truncated version of a season. Wait, so forgive me. Was that controversial that she, cause I remember them sort oh, yeah. of addressing it, but like from the fan base outside perspective, were people pissed about that? Uh, I don't know if people were pissed, but I think there was conjecture about whether or not she actually talked to him because she maintained that they did mm -hmm. not DM, oh. but everybody was kind of like, really you, but you know, this guy for like 24 hours and you're like, yep, he's the one. So it seems like they probably did. Um, and I think yeah, certain members of the fan base in, came up with conspiracy theories that there was actually something which is called phantom night one. And that they actually had met and they had uh -huh. shot the whole night one before the pandemic. Certain members. She's talking about, <laughs> I came up with that in quotes, conspiracy Chad, I love theory, it. I love but it. it's, it's true. There is evidence. Mounting. It's true. I'm seeking it now. It's a theory with no evidence, but it's There's true. some evidence. There are players from that season who have gone on different podcasts that said they definitely met the other guys that night. Other guy players. Oh, interesting. Like, we met each other. And then when we came back again to start shooting, they say, I, I don't know if she met them. I don't know if there was a full night one shot at the mansion. I feel like there was, but there's evidence. I'm finding it. I'll have a report ready soon. You know, I had trouble with that season because when I went into it, it was Claire. The whole press about everything was like, she's the oldest bachelorette. 
And I mm-hmm. come from the world of housewives where it's like 39 is, wasn't she 39 or something? Was she 39? Yeah. I think yeah. she was 40 by the time they started shooting. Like the 39, 40 year old girls in housewives world, they're the youngins. Like they're, they're like, oh, too young for my housewives. Like I prefer an older lady. So when all of it was just like, oh, she's the oldest woman. I was like, what are we talking about here? Like I, my brain like couldn't comprehend it. Cause I'm like, I'm used to a 50 plus woman. Like I want to see someone who's 60, Karen Huger. I don't know how old she is, but she's definitely over 50. Karen as the bachelorette would be the best show ever. Well, and I wonder what you, obviously there's all this talk about diversity and everything. And and so that's kind of where I have trouble with the bachelor world because Mm -hmm. in my eyes, I'm like, they've done how many, how many seasons has the bachelor bachelorette done? Bachelor 26, bachelorette 17 or 18 now. So to me, I can't do math, but that's upwards of 40 seasons of a show where I'm thinking, <laughs> right. like, why haven't, hasn't there been a gay man? Like, I, I, don't, I don't, like, my brain just doesn't get, like, couldn't they just do one? Like, why couldn't they just do one? Yeah, Maybe it wouldn't they? be as popular, but it seems to me like you're doing a million of them. I don't think it's that expensive. And when I hopped into that La Quinta Inn... It, they spent upwards of maybe $3,000 on the entire season. So I thought, couldn't we, <laughs> couldn't we do a gay one? And they, yes. wouldn't, they wouldn't need to make a lot of money to make the production budget back. Absolutely. The Bachelor is, as much as I love the game, it is very antiquated, especially in who they select as their leads, who they select in the player pools, and a wide variety of things, not just being gay or straight, mm-hmm. but body type, race, like everything. And I think they have to get with the times now. And they saw some massive backlash, obviously, during those bubble seasons in season 25 when they cast Matt James as their first Black Bachelor. That was in a a direct response to all of the Black Lives Matter protests that were going on around the country and cries from within the fandom saying, you need to have your first Black Bachelor now, including Rachel Lindsay, who was super vocal about it. And I think her kind of pressure on the franchise was one of the main things that pushed them into doing that. Yeah. I I mean, I love Rachel and I feel bad for all of what she had to sort of take on by speaking out about stuff. It is absolutely unbelievable. The amount of hate that she has had to deal with. She basically was the diverse voice for the show for so long that like her giving that ultimatum, like the next bachelor has to be black or I'm not watching meant a lot because it's like, well, you don't have anyone else to show that you're still PC, etc. And that's part of the like casting Claire as the old Bachelorette. It is way out of their target zone for Bachelor Nation. It's sad, but and by the way, they have experimented in other countries. So they just had the first bisexual Bachelorette in in Australia. Australia. Oh, interesting. So when it comes to this sort of diversity uh, situation, do you think it's, is is it the networks holding it back or is, or is the network just listening to the audience or which sort of is leading it? Or, or maybe we don't know. I think it's the network who says, here's where the most people are watching our show. And they still use Nielsen ratings, obviously. And they're like, it's primarily a white Midwestern audience and we're going to keep giving them the thing we've been making for 20 years. Because still, even though all network TV ratings are dwindling, The Bachelor does... I mean, it's not winning Monday night every Monday night anymore, but it's close to first or second place every time. So they're still making, like, at least comparatively speaking, high ad rates on that program. And your show, Game of Roses, we talked about a, a little bit about the evolution. Where does reality TV go next? And I want to know from you, too, what do you think... 
happens with The Bachelor next? How does The Bachelor franchise evolve or or does it does it evolve or what where do you think it's headed or where should it be headed? We think that it's going to head to streaming at some point. That's just like has to happen and I also think that they have to get more diverse with their casting. They have to they have to evolve the show somewhat because they're leaving people behind. Like Gen X, they're not watching The Bachelor. They need to like embrace social media also. They ignore social media on the show and they demonize people who even talk about Instagram numbers when it's like yeah. everyone goes on the show for Instagram. Like, why would you go on if you weren't trying to make money off social media? It's it's such a like huge burden that you put upon yourself. You need to at least get that money back. Yeah. There's also a version of it, I think, where, you know, they have enough media. Housewives is like this too. They could probably start their own streaming service that's Mm -hmm. nothing but Bachelor and do a bunch of different shows per season, you know, where you can have all kinds of diversity in every casting situation. And it's like, we'll always do the the fucking old white one for the people who want that. But here's all (laughs) this other stuff for everyone else. I think that that would be easy for them to do at this point. I mean, they have contracts with ABC and stuff and Warner Brothers, but like eventually Warner Brothers is a studio that owns the show. They, I mean, I guess they could just lump it into HBO Max, but uh, I could see them having their own thing like WWE has that. They have their own streaming service. Yeah. And the I fan- also think we, yeah. sorry. No, go ahead. I also think we need to get trending, you know, Bachelor So White was trending with the Bachelor diversity movement to get Matt James. I think if we could get a movement where it's like bachelor so straight, bachelor so whatever, able-bodied, cis, et cetera, you know, then maybe they would listen. Yeah. And I, I always, like you had said, Chad, too, of like, we can still have this version of the show, but maybe since we're doing so many of these, let's open it up and and offer some some different ones. And I think a lot of the fan bases will follow. I think... Uh, the bachelor fan base is similar to housewives in a, in the way that we, the, the real fans will eat up all the stuff you give us. Mm-hmm. And with the housewives franchise, they recently did a reboot of the Miami housewives for Peacock. And uh, I, I've heard so much anecdotally from people, uh, executives and stuff like that, how much of a success it's been because the fan base is so fervent that people followed over there to Peacock. And, mm-hmm. and although it might not have been as highly rated as something, uh, on the Bravo network is like Beverly Hills housewives or something. It was still enough people signing up for a, a streaming service that wanted to get that fix of a different kind of franchise. Totally. And I think uh, the bachelor could work in that way. It's like throw, do a oh, separate yeah. streamer. Definitely. I also think, and I mean, this is kind of the, the whole thesis of our show and our book, like it's a sport and the show itself, the producers, Warner brothers, ABC, they deny this at every turn because the the conceit of the show is this lie that it's about people finding love when in fact it's obviously not the producers are orchestrating this kind of like psychological torture chamber to see who can last the longest but they're also manipulating who gets kicked off and we know that like a lead basically picks their top one to three players on night one and then everybody else is arranged by the producers in order and manner that they will get kicked off usually and so that's the real game you're playing is to see how long you can hang in this producer manufactured environment to get the most screen time to get the most instagram followers And this past year, as we wrote this book, How to Win the Bachelor, I was like, can we really actually apply this? Does what we're saying work? 
And so I started clandestinely coaching players, people who just DM'd me and said, I want to get in the show. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, I think I can. I'm going to apply what we've written. And season 26, which is airing now, is the first season that I have players I've coached in that season who are using strategies I've developed, everything from you know, helping them apply to the show, running essentially simulations of what they can experience in these Zoom meetings with casting producers, all the way to talking about what your limo exit's going to be up to your fantasy suite techniques and hometowns and everything else. And uh, what Editing I really their learned, intro videos. Yeah, doing all of that. And I've really learned that it is a game. It can be played. And if you're doing these things correctly, you can play it well and walk out of it with um, some Instagram following and potentially become an influencer, which is the goal, at least in the modern era of going into the bachelor. Do you think there are still people who do it for the love or is that just no one? No, I don't think anybody's primary goal is that. Like it can happen, obviously. And we don't mean to say that these two things are separate or mutually exclusive. They are, in fact, the same thing. If you want to wind up with The Bachelor or Bachelorette, you have to win a 10-round game of attrition against 29, 30, whatever other players sidestepping these landmines that producers are putting in front of you. Um, and of course, you can fall in love. Like It, it happens relatively recently. Even we have you know, season uh, 22, Ari Leyendijk is currently married to his second choice on that season, not the ring winner, but the runner up. He broke up with the ring winner, Becca Kufrin, to then go and marry Lauren Leyendike. They have three kids together. They seem to be very happy. So it can happen, but still you have to be able to play the game in order to get to that point. Have you been open about who you coached on the current season or no, I'm not going to tell me. I will never (laughs) say who I've coached. It'll always be up to the players. If they ever want to reveal that it's like, totally fine. And I'm happy to support that revelation in any way they see fit. But uh, no, because also like they're still in the game. The game doesn't end when your bachelor season ends. There's paradise coming. Yeah. So I'll text you afterwards and you'll tell me, right? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Lizzie, I'm curious. We're we're talking a lot about social media and stuff. And do you have, is there a person you think uh, that has transitioned their career outside of the world of the bachelor. So I know there are a lot of these people who have, you know, we talked about Rachel. She's so successful outside of the world of the bachelor as a host and uh, a, a writer now and all sorts of stuff. But uh, is there someone or a few people that stand out to you that have successfully transitioned the best? I mean, Rachel Lindsay is usually the example I give for this because she's not doing bachelor related stuff anymore. And a lot of the more successful players in the post game are bachelor recappers. Still you have Nick Vial, you have Caitlin Bristow. These are the two that Chad and I often say he thinks Nick Vial is the greatest player of all time. I think it's Caitlin Bristow. I mean, she's in the 2 million club. There's all these other, all these stats that she has best RQ of all time, which is Rose Quotient, which is getting zero point roses, which is I'm obsessed getting with a rose like, outside I'm not of even, a rose ceremony. I'm not even <laughs> in, super in-depth in the world of The Bachelor, and I'm like obsessed with all of these stats. Like I love it. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm like getting giddy or something. I don't know why I get like excited about it. I'm feeling when so you were- excited. I know. I started saying it and then I was like, like, oh, "Oh, this is You're sounding crazier Um, and crazier. I'm just like, we are insane. No, I love it. I love it. There's nothing better to me than when people have like a a genuine obsession with some sort of pop culture thing. I think it's like so amazing to me. 
Anyway, I'm sorry. We inter- I, I love it you. too. And like, I used to be ashamed of it and think of The Bachelor as a guilty pleasure or whatever, but I'm just like, and all of Bra- I watch all of Bravo as well. But I'm just like, no, they're like amazing, amazing television. Like Real High Size of Salt Lake City season two. Yeah. Like that's one of the best seasons of television, period. Even beyond that, they're, they're exact reflections of what we are as a country at this point. America yeah. is reality television. That is it. Like That's what we are, reality TV and social media. That's all this is now. And so when you're watching The Bachelor, when you're watching Real Housewives, it's the same as watching the NFL or Major League Baseball and having that level of fandom for it. It truly is like the, in my opinion, it is the beating heart of what America is in 2022. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. 
All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. What's the craziest job title? This is a hard hard left, but you know when they always have the crazy job titles, like what's the craziest? I one? mean, chicken enthusiast. Do you remember yeah. that one? Free spirit. <laughs> Free spirit's a good one. That Sloth. was Lucy. Oh, no. one. <laughs> on Pablo's season and she just yeah. walked around naked. Oh Alex Dillon in season 23 was a sloth. That was her job title. Do you ever uh, pop into like some of the other dating reality shows? Like, will you watch, uh, oh, I yeah. don't know, Love Island stuff? And ha- what's, what's I watch the- them all. <laughs> okay, so Lizzie, Lizzie. Okay. I'm an a- actual addict. Okay, yes. Lizzie, please tell me I like what... Do you think yeah. the Bachelor or Bachelorette is better than the other ones, or do you think there's one that is better production-wise or sort of concept-wise? A lot of them are better production-wise. Bachelor is the best in terms of capturing the culture for so long. Like we're on Bachelor season twenty-six, it doesn't show any signs of ever ending. I think it'll outlive me, and that format it just people are drawn to it, but I'm obsessed with love is blind love Island and the ways that they improve upon it. Like love Island, as opposed to bachelor in paradise, couples can get voted out by the audience. They can get voted out by the other couples. You don't just link up with someone and just stick it out. And then you get to stay on the show the whole summer. No, you have to do a a lot of other stuff, which I enjoy. Um, And yeah, like, what are the other? I mean, I've watched them all. 90 Day Fiance, by the way, is one that I think about when you're like, the casting of reality shows is too much people who are trying to be on TV. And 90 Day Fiance gives you that like, these are not TV stars. These are like ordinary people in a kind of extraordinary circumstance. And it's riveting. I covered a little 90 Day on this podcast and they invited me to a mixer with cast members where I could bring, I brought my microphone and there was uh, free booze and I, I was newly into that world. So I, I wasn't as much of an expert as I am with, let's say Bravo. Uh, but I met all of them almost like in a speed dating way where it was like Darcy would sit down with me and then somebody else, you know, they bring someone else over and it was like, I could see up close how, as you said, with casting, it was like, they somehow sort of found people that some of the other networks are not finding and yeah, or have like a moral problem with casting. <laughs> like some of the situations feel more like kidnapping than a relationship, but whatever. Yeah. This is our, yeah, whatever. This is our dystopia. Yeah. 
what's going on with Chris Harrison next? Will he ever be back? I, I'm not super familiar. Like, did when he left the show, was it like a he's stepping away sort of thing, or was it like, oh no, he's done? No, he was fired, and then he was going to sue them. And the the scuttlebutt on the street was that he had all this dirt. He had all this tea from hosting the show for 25 years that he was going to come out with. And then they paid him off. He got a $9 million settlement to essentially say nothing. That said, there were also some articles that came out around the time that said he was actively developing a kind of rival show to The Bachelor. And as soon as his non-compete contract is up, which I assume would be a year or two, he's going to I guess have this other dating show coming out. No one knows anything about it at this point. Oh, interesting. You know, it it's sort of similar but different. I, I follow a lot of like the Hallmark movie stuff, like the Christmas mm-hmm. Hallmark movies. And they recently, you know, there was all this stuff about the head of the Hallmark channel, you know, not embracing diversity and kind of having trouble with that. He left and started this GAC network and he's poached a lot of the talent over from the Hallmark network, which it's mm. weird to think of a world where Hallmark is the more diverse of two places, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, that's what I was just thinking of. It's like this GAC thing. Now it's like, I wonder if Chris Harrison would try to just start something almost the same. That's what GAC is. It's like almost the same as Hallmark, but like, yeah. just um, Yeah. I mean, I think probably it's not like that format that Mike Fleiss created of The Bachelor, I don't think you can like copyright or trademark the format in any way. You can do that with the name of the show, and maybe there's some like things within the show, like a first impression rose, things that are proprietary to the show. But like if you watch Joe Millionaire, it's The Bachelor. Like it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of like dating by attrition shows that just like spin it a little different, you know. Um, feel so I feel think feel a shot at love. Yeah. Or any of those, you know, yeah. flavor of love, rock of love. All of those were just basically the bachelor with some weird celebrity at the helm. And I think that you can do that again. And I also think that Chris Harrison is not, I don't know, maybe he would go to streaming, but I feel like he's an old school dude and he still measures success by being on a network television show. Mm. And so I think he's going to pop up somewhere on, I would guess it'll be like a CBS attempt at a reality dating show. Interesting. Yeah, when you when you're talking about the people who are like transcending Bachelor Nation, it's like people have tried. Tyler Cameron's trying. He's on that Dirty Dancing show. He like briefly dated a supermodel, but no one has really transcended it yet. Rachel Lindsay's probably the closest, but Chad and I are always talking about who's going to be the first to do that. Who's going to like get a Grammy and be known for something other than The Bachelor? You know, Tyler Cameron is one of the few that I do follow on social media because I find him so hot. And I know mm. that's very basic of me, but I uh, <laughs> I do keep up with him um, just for that reason. Do you watch that's his good. YouTube videos where he's shirtless his in his backyard eating I, steak? I'm not willing to go that far, Chad, but I do. <laughs> I'm willing to click on when it says he's updated his story. That's about as far as I go. I'll click on <laughs> yeah, it. That's pretty far. Hope for a topless photo or he's got the blouse off and I'll enjoy it. But yeah, that's about <laughs> as far as I go. Um, I know he's got, he, I do see him posting about, he's on like the dirty dancing, which I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I've seen him post a few different clips from it. And I'm like, what is this show to me? It seems like, it seems fucking nuts. Like, I don't even understand how it's a competition show. It's like, is he just, are they recreating dirty dancing? Yes. Mm -hmm. They are recreating the iconic scenes from this 35 year old movie that most of the audience watching this television show has never seen, doesn't care about, doesn't know what it is. 
So each one of these guys is coupled with a female dance partner and they have to then recreate like the scene where he's teaching her how to dance or the scene where they're in the lake and he puts her up over his head or obviously the the finale nobody puts baby in a corner all that shit and it's who can recreate the scenes the best but does tyler lose his blouse that's I don't the know. most important part. Mm. I haven't Wait, watched any of it. I just checked the ratings. They're haven't they tried to get Tyler like uh, to like lead the Bachelor franchise? Uh, did we they did. offer him? Yeah. So, w- but why would he do the dirty fucking dancing show and not? But I, I guess he's trying to get out of the Bachelor world. But it seems like I think a weird he has choice. An agent who's like, hey, it's a network TV show. You should do this. It could be a good opportunity. And I don't think two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, probably that too. It's only a couple of weeks. They'll pay you fucking, you know, 200 grand or something. I don't think he's necessarily aware of like what is a good show or not. I think he just kind of is like, whatever. I'll just stumble through this life and people will pay me money to dance around and do whatever, you know, (laughs) like that's the way he's going to live forever. Wow. Wow. What a life. I know. Uh, Yeah, I'm fascinated because I feel like out of all the reality shows and like you've, you chose that one. Like I just, I would imagine all of the celebrity big brother. I think we talked about on your show briefly. It's yeah. like, I'm sure he could get on that. That seems like a smarter career move or he also did a show stars. where he was creating dog houses, a Quibi show, right? Oh. Wasn't it on Quibi? Yes. I, maybe. Yeah. That it was on Quibi. Right. Yeah. And so that right off the bat, when somebody's like, hey, we want you to be on a Quibi show immediately, you had to have been like, no, thank you. I mean, I we are TV writers uh, before we ever got into the Bachelor pit. And I remember uh, I had a show that I was pitching that was like a half hour comedy. And somebody that I was working with was like, we should pare this down to a 10 minute thing and, and pitch it to Quibi. And I was like, Quibi's dead on arrival. You understand that, right? It's not going to work. And But everybody, because they were just throwing so much money at everything, people were selling them shit left and right. It was crazy. And so maybe he got caught up in that. Yeah. You know, I had a, I was working on a Quibi show that never saw the light of day. It was like, I, I mean, I, I didn't create it or anything, but I just, I did some work on it and I don't know what happened with it or where it, it was about the history of reality TV though. And it's like, I don't know what what's happening with it but that um, that's a great show it's dead it's dead i think i thought quibi sold all their material to somebody else amazon maybe bought it i'm not sure you know it never it didn't even make it to air yet so i think some of the i don't know i don't know i don't either i'm not sure what happened it was it was good though it It was good but also yeah i I agree with you it's like who wants nobody wants a six minute show i think it was such a weird quick bites you know what people want to watch on their phones is a 10 minute show but it's like or we could just watch 10 minutes of a show and then come back to it later it it just didn't make sense or people could post it on their instagram you could post a six minute video on instagram now it's like i'll I'll watch someone's story if i want to do that like i don't need to hop on over to quibi okay let me see you i i want to make sure i I know we don't have much time here so i want to make sure i got every all these questions that i have for you guys i know we didn't get to many of them um what uh we gotta discuss quibi more yeah please, i know <laughs> 30 minutes quibi, on quibi. quibi was a massive pop culture failure though i feel like that is something that we will be taught or at least i'll be talking about for the rest of my life quibi. i sometimes Sorry. wonder if like the mass public really even knew about quibi or like you know i've never taught i've never asked but i wonder if my mom even knew what quibi was like if i were to say the word quibi to her would she even i don't think it would register with her same no i think yeah. it's only yeah. people in la who are kind of at least yeah. peripherally or actually in the entertainment industry knew what the fuck it was. And it was promoted so fucking hard 
from the get-go, like those commercials that they had and shit, super expensive. They were paying the rock money, Kevin Hart money, like all these giant Reese Witherspoon had a show yeah. on there, I think. Yeah. And it just was like immediately a failure that I feel like almost everyone saw coming. And even the people I think who were selling shows to them and shit were just like, how much are they paying? Okay. I don't give yeah. a fuck. Let me shit something out. Give me a fucking million dollars. Bye-bye. Yeah. Or here's a, like they're pitching. They give them like their third tier stuff. So it's like they're pitching right. the good stuff to the other networks. And they, they're like, we have this other idea. If you guys want it, just <laughs> yeah. take it. Um, how about but- Tyler Cameron building dog houses? That's that, a show. <laughs> I do feel like there is some show around Tyler Cameron, like doing some sort of construction, but not that. But I feel mm. like there is a show where he's just, you know, I like I would watch him do some like house renovations or something. It, does he do construction? I'm not even sure. But he did him in a tool belt. Video yeah, him in a tool belt. He's dancing since. through a construction site. Wow. There's an iconic intro video. Uh, Lizzie, you guys asked me this, but since you're a Bravo person too, what do you think is the similarities or differences between Bravo audiences and Bachelor audiences? Bachelor, like I'm much more familiar with Bachelor audiences and they're very fervent and they expect a lot morally from their uh, bachelor players and i would say i haven't noticed that as much in my my window to the bravo world which is my secret vanderpump rules facebook group um i love that you're more... in a vanderpump facebook group oh my god <laughs> it's it's wild there's a lot of drama there's a lot of within pod the group drama i i love it all i eat it all up but the the attitude in watching it and sure some people hate watch the bachelor but i feel like that's more common in bravo and like appreciating characters appreciating villains appreciating what someone is trying to do versus on bachelor like we talk about this all the time the number one rule is for trr for the right reasons and you have to look like you're on the show for love that any instagram followers any podcast any merch you sell whatever is just like on the side. That's just like happened to happen as a result of it. But you're truly trying to find love. And so people who are maybe more characters or maybe more villains or who are seem like they have some sort of agenda, they're immediately villainized. They're kicked off the show. They get death threats. I'm not sure what the death threat... They probably... All the Bravo people get death threats too. But Bachelor Nation, unless like you're like a night one person you're getting death threats you know i i've mentioned this on the show before but i have a good friend her name is hannah brown and she's not the bachelor hannah brown and she's come on my show a bunch of times in the season that i recorded or that i recapped the bachelorette she came on and we weren't even she came on for a housewives recap but I noticed I started to get like really intense messages because people mm. thought it was the other Hannah Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I had for like a intense a, messages in what way? Like yell people were mad at me for having her on because I guess she, mm. it was like right around she said I, the N word. She had like yeah, that some sort of scandal. And I just wasn't aware of it, but I people were really mad at me in the DMs for having Hannah Brown on. And I was like, I didn't have that Hannah Brown on. It's my friend who had been on the show multiple times. You know, she's one of my most frequent yeah. guests. She's a, she's a good friend and comedian. And uh, every time since she's come on, I've had to do like a big disclaimer. Like, this is Hannah A. Brown, not from The Bachelor. Like, 
Don't oh yell at me because God. I noticed the messages were so intense, like more so than I've gotten. You know, people have called me yeah. a fag before for being team Carol over team Bethany. But like, aside from that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not too bad. But that was I mean, like the this most This is where intense. I have to end this interview because I love Bethany. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Lizzie, Bethany's been on the show and Carol's never been on this show. So I do. I respect Bethany. A woman of the people. She, what she's given us, Bethany has given us some of the best TV of all time, but just in that she one has. specific season, whatever I was team Carol, uh, but the bachelor fans I noticed were just had an intensity that I hadn't experienced yeah. from the Bravo world. That, so. that sounds right to me. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called cozy. Now cozy is fantastic. A North American company that, thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Uh, okay, I, I need to let you both go. Uh, before I ask you to plug your show and your book, which I'm so fascinated by this book, but uh, I want everyone to pick it up while they pick up my book. You know, we could, we're doing a double mm-hmm. feature, read both That's books. Right. Uh, I'm going to be on, I'm on Game of Roses. So check me out on their podcast. Uh, but I ask all of my guests these next two questions, which um, Chad, feel free to answer if you want. Lizzie, feel free to answer. One of you jump in or both of you jump in, but favorite Mariah Carey song. And then... <laughs> And then also, if you were choosing People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? And maybe we should do that from, maybe it'd be good if we did, if you were choosing from The Bachelor World for Sexiest Mm. Man Alive, who would you choose? Okay. Bachelor Sexiest Man Alive has got to be, for me, the greatest player of all time, Nick Vial. Thank you very much. Now you're going to get hate mail, Danny. I'm sorry. Why is he bad? I don't know Nick Vial. Is he hated? He has mixed reactions in the nation. Oh, He's simply the greatest player of all time. I feel like giving the sexiest man alive award to anyone else is a travesty. So I have to go with Nick Vial. My apologies. I got to look at what he looks like. I can't even think of what he looks like. Okay, Lizzie, how about you? Okay, so the Mariah Carey song... Wait, didn't I'm interrupting you while you're if I'm interrupting you again. I'm sorry, Lizzie. Oh yeah, um, do your Nick thing. Didn't so. Nick Vial, did he wasn't it a rumor that he was dating Rachel Bilson? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. That was Colton Underwood. Maybe. Wait, was it him? No, I think it was Nick. I think it was I Nick. think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Lucy, and the Colton, Colton Underwood, Underwood stuff. Lucy Hale. Wait, did you guys watch the Colton Underwood show on Netflix? I watched the first two episodes of it out of you know, obligation, obviously, to cover The Bachelor. And uh, the thing that like really came across to me the most 
is Colton Underwood is like a reality TV star. That is it. Like that's his whole life. Everything he's ever going to do, he's going to have a reality show about it or try to at the very least, you know? Was he felt like to was me. he reality TV savvy on The Bachelor? Did it seem oh, yeah. like that? Okay. okay. He he like at this point famously became The Bachelor because he just went to the producers when he was a player in uh, Hannah Brown's season, season fifteen, The Bachelorette, and told them like, "I'll do anything. Make me The Bachelor." Wow. And that was it. It was just a straight like selling soul to devil for fame, essentially. Interesting. Okay, Lizzie. Okay, give it to um, me. Haven't watched it. Mariah Carey song. I'm gonna say all I want for Christmas is you because that uh, that's just that's one of the biggest songs in history, and it's so smart to make a Christmas song. I mean, so many Christmas people out there. Right. Uh, My Mariah Bachelor, Carey song, by the way, is someday. I think that was the first Mariah Carey song I ever heard. A classic. I love that song. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah, you know, famously, Mariah didn't like that song that much. Mm. And then when she was married to mm. Nick Cannon, he loved it. And it sort of reinvigorated her love for it. That's beautiful. Yeah, I didn't know that. Best thing uh, Nick Cannon ever did. Sexiest Bachelor. Well, I'm going to say Mike Johnson. He should have been the Bachelor. I think he's got a million dollar smile. I'm waiting for his Bachelor season. I'm going to look him up right now. Uh, okay, oh, tell this me. Is a travesty. You have to look them up. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People are going to yell <laughs> at me. Fourth place <laughs> on Hannah Brown. No, fuck. Fifth place on Hannah Brown season. When I had uh, Rachel was on the podcast once, and I was like, you know, give me some good juicy something that'll make news. And she said something, and I was like, I didn't. It didn't register with me. And then it was like made all these headlines, and I was like, thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> but because I, I don't know a bunch, I don't what know can enough we give about. You? I know. I know. Okay. So tell me about the book. Tell me about the book and your podcast. Um, where can people buy it? Tell us about it. Well, the book is How to Win the Bachelor. It is a, uh, it's meant to be a kind of statistical breakdown of the game components of the show. But really what it is, is it's kind of a chronicle of our deep dive, like how we went from being casual fans to being super experts on it. And anyone who reads it is going to have a deeper understanding of the game. And it's going to teach you how to watch the show in a way that I think is like far more fun. You'll be looking yeah. for little things to happen in every episode. that are these kind of repeated game patterns. And you can pick that book up anywhere you get your books. And then we do a podcast twice a week or two and a half times a week called Game of Roses, where we recap the show and talk about all the Bachelor Nation news and all the different things people are doing on Twitter and Instagram and their social media. Well, yeah, thank think- you both. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You can find us on Game of Roses Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And I think people are already watching The Bachelor as a sport. Like people have their brackets, they take bets on who's going to win. It's like appointment viewing. And this will take that up a notch. You'll be looking out for things like love levels. There's four love levels that we track. There's something we call a PTC, which is a personal tragedy card. That's something that every player has in their toolbox. Things like things of this nature. That that's what you can look forward to in this. The moment you said uh, you mentioned trick or treating for people who come in (laughs) in as costume, I was like, okay, I I need to like study this book, and I need to get on the. (laughs) I need to get on the sports bachelor train because I just am fascinated by this, and I love. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm so grateful you guys took the time, and uh, everyone's going to check out your podcast and buy your book. Uh, check out my book. How do I unremember this? They're probably next to each other. They both start with the word house. So let's pick up both. That's true. 
read them on the beach. They're both great for spring break. Yes. I know. Leslie, thank you. Chad, Leslie, thank you guys so much uh, (laughs) for taking the time. Thanks for having us. You too. 